Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. Yes, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. We are live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel and on the Twitter as well. And we thank you for joining us this week, as you do every Thursday. It has been a busy time in the combat sports world. This week is no exception. So much happening And we will discuss it all right here on the program. Of course, for those watching on YouTube, feel free to leave your thoughts on the topics who you think is winning these rounds as we have a fun matchup on the show this week. So let us introduce competitors and get to our first question for the BTL title. First, let us say hello to the challenger. This guy is all over the place, does work for Miami News, the Body Lock, the Scrap, the South China Morning Post and many more. Mr. Drake Riggs, everybody. How are you, sir? Great. Happy to be here, Mike. We're going full circle, man. I feel like I've come home because, you know, BTL back in the day started here a little bit of, uh, you know, make a wrestling comparison. I feel like this is the ECW originals taking on the new breed. Now, I know that ECW in its reincarnation wasn't very good, but uh, we're going to try here. I was going against four guys last time. Just one on one. I'm ready for it. There you go. There we go. Right away. It, it, <laughs> that, that did not take long. And introducing the no. reigning, defending BTL champion, captured the title in, in my opinion, wire to wire, one of the best showings in the history of this show. He defeated Jose Young's, introducing a staple on this program, the champ from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Mishu. What is happening, Jed? I'm, I'm in great form. I have no idea what Drake's talking about. Uh, this show didn't start until my first appearance on it, and it's been doing gangbusters ever since. That's why I'm, I'm here all the time. I mean, that and my winning ways, but beyond that, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. This, this show started last year. So, uh, Jed, Jose said that I should call you Grover Cleveland this entire episode. Like, I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? Isn't Grover Cleveland the president? <laughs> Is that the former president? Uh, yeah, that, that feels like a compliment. I'm okay with that. Okay. Also, all right. Well, chops? Is that where he's going? Because that feels like that's a stretch, even for Jose. 
Yes, we have to dig deep. Lots of layers when it comes to uh, Mr. Jose Youngs, but so we're not here to talk about Jose. One, baby. And that one is questionable. <laughs> that one is questionable. Well, be that as it may, we have a new challenger this week. So let us start this crazy show with this weekend's festivities. The main events that we will see over the next couple of days, Bellator 257 tomorrow night, We'll continue the light heavyweight Grand Prix. Their main event is the rematch between Vadim Nemkov and Phil Davis for the 205-pound title. UFC Vegas 24 goes down Saturday night at the Apex. Main event for that one is a big one at 185 between Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. And how can we forget the big Triller event, the big boxing match that everyone's talking about, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Drake, we will begin with you. Jed is aware of this. We like to deal in hypotheticals on the show as much as possible. But out of these three main events, if you could only watch one, and on top of that, you have to tune yourself out of the internet, social media, etc., for the next week, so you could not find out what happened with any of the other fights, which one are you watching? Nemkov Davis, Whitaker Gastelum, or Paul versus Askren, and why? So, listen, Mike, you know me pretty well. I am a purist through and through. So when it comes to Logan, not Logan Paul, Jake Paul versus uh, Ben Askren, fight's just complete silliness. It's a circus. They, you know, Ben has openly admitted that we can all see it is what it is. That one does nothing for me aside from just being, from what it is, it's all silliness, right? And then boxing doesn't do much for me. So that one, I can go without it. I love Ben Askren, but not going to be tuning into that one. Whitaker and Gastelum, in terms of the purity of that too and the logic behind it, that one doesn't make sense either. Came together last second. It did make sense at a time, but now it's still, I'm still interested in it, but it's not the same. It's not the same as it was initially. So for me, man, the title fight between two of the best light heavyweights in the world, I got to go with Vadim Nemkov and Phil Davis. And it's a rematch, too. A rematch where the first fight was very, very close. And I thought that, you know, Davis kind of maybe should have got the win in that one. It was that close. And since then, Vadim Nemkov, you know, has gone on to do very well and won the titles, looked fantastic. Phil Davis always gradually improving, getting better and better as his career goes on. And uh, now they have two rounds extra to play with. And this is the start of the tournament, too, the light heavyweight tournament, the first round here. So that one for me, I just love everything about it. It is logic at its finest. And uh, I am all here for that one above the others. I am not surprised to hear you say that, Drake. Uh, <laughs> I will be surprised if Jed Mishu agrees with you, but uh, maybe he will. Jed, what is your, if you could only watch one of these main events between Bellator 1 UFC or the boxing match, which one are you watching and why? Mike, first, I just want to say it's a really great question to start us off with because I know Drake, we're, we run in the same MMA circle. Uh, I don't know him that well, and so this was, this was a really great opportunity for me to to get a sense of the man right out of the gate, and this is just going to be an absolute obliteration. Like, uh, he, <laughs> he just said he wanted to watch Phil Davis fight. Like, come on, man. That's nobody it's wants to wonderful. Him, right? Even his own parents don't watch him fight. He said something else that's right, though. He said that that, that Jake Paul Ben Askren is a circus. It is a circus, baby, and we love circuses here. And in <laughs> fact, I am actually living this question. I'm not going to get to watch the UFC on Saturday night because I am in Atlanta, Georgia. I will be ringside. I almost said cage side. I'll be ringside for that circus, and I'm pumped. Like. We talked. Uh, we talked months back about this when it was first announced, and I was a little less enthused about it than I've kind of grown to be. 
But over the previous months, I mean, one, the buildup has been really good, even if you don't have much affection for either guy. They're doing a pretty good job of, of selling it on the merits of what it is. Nobody's pretending this is this is high-level combat sports, but they are they are true when they say that this is going to be a, a clown show that's awesome to watch, and it is. And I'm going to be five feet from a baby. I am pumped. So I'm glad you mentioned a, a couple months ago, Jed, because it was uh, here on this very program. It was you and Stephen Morocco, and we reacted to the news of this fight because I think it happened like 48 hours prior. And I believe your exact words were, I hate this. There are no winners. Everyone's a loser. Nothing good will come from this. It was something to that effect. But now it seems, you know, you're. <laughs> well, let me clear. Everything I said at that point in time is true. Everything I just said is also true because, look, we can all be honest. We work in MMA media. We all hate ourselves because why else would we work here if we didn't? <laughs> so we can we can thoroughly enjoy something that we absolutely hate. Look, in the last like week, horrible things or allegations have been made against Jake Paul that obviously make me not excited about potentially contributing money to him. Uh, ben Askren is – just a guy that I have very little like for Ben. I hope you're watching this and I hope I get to interview you. Should you win this weekend, by the way, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not like nothing about what's going on here is good from like a moral standpoint or uh, any kind of feeling good about it. But what is good is the in ring product is going to be fun like, at the absolute minimum anything that occurs this weekend is going to be memorable and it's probably going to be ridiculous. Like boxing tends to be a little more ridiculous. Anyway, the personalities here are just outlandish. Like if Jake Paul wins crazy, crazy stuff's going down. If Jake Paul loses crazier stuff's going down. Like it's going to be, this is going to be the headline news, not just because it's the thing people are going to click on, but because the most outside of the box stuff is going to happen. And I'm like I said, I've, I've become really excited that I get to be part of it. Drake, <laughs> Drake, you know, sold this fight altogether. You're the purest. And that's why I wasn't surprised that you went with the title fight tomorrow. But I mean, do you have any interest in this fight? Like, do you even care who wins? Like, will you even look and find out what happened? I mean, you're not going to be able to avoid it. But I mean, do you care <laughs> enough to seek out a result at least? Well, I mean, yeah, in that regard, definitely, because like I said, I've been following Ben Askren for, you know, really since I became an MMA fan in like 2009 when he was on top in Bellator. And I was just so excited for him to finally make it to the UFC eventually. And, you know, he's been following the guy for a long time. And now he's <laughs> taking on a YouTube and a Vine guy. That's where I first heard about him uh, on Vine, Jake Paul, in a boxing match. So it is absolutely absurd. And in terms of, supporting MMA, you absolutely want Ben Askren to pull through here. So I'm rooting for him and I'm interested in that regard that please, Ben, please don't look bad in any way. Even if you win, don't let this be competitive. Yeah. So I just need you to go out there and yeah, I'm interested in that regard. Get the win. Askren's going to get worked. It's going to be the best. <laughs> hold, on. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Because, all right, Drake, let me ask you first. And then I'm going to go to Jed because I can't wait to hear what he has to say. But if you guys have looked at our YouTube channel, we have asked so many MMA fighters about this fight in particular. And everyone is rooting for Ben Askren. 
most of them feel like he's not going to win, but nobody is like counting him completely out of the fight. And, you know, listen, if you watch the open workout, he looked, he looks pretty good. He looks a lot better than I thought he was going to look. And it is not our jobs to actively root for fighters. But as you said, Drake, although, I mean, as much as Ben isn't feeling the pressure or looking at this fight as like he's representing MMA, we are like the MMA community is all aboard the Askren train, hoping he shuts Jake Paul down. So let me ask you, Drake, if you could somehow draw up a perfect scenario for this fight in your eyes, like moments, the winner, how it ends, et cetera, like what would it look like to, to make you as, as happy as can possibly be considering this is a fight you're not all that interested in? I think it would have to be a quick starching, right? Like a 30 second, maybe even less, something ridiculous for Ben Askren to go out there and knock out Jake Paul. Cause that's the one thing we do not expect whatsoever, right? If there's going to be a quick knockout, everyone's expecting it to be from Jake Paul. If anybody, obviously Ben Askren is not known to be a great striker whatsoever. And if for his boxing, the thing, the thing with me in the matchup is that, you know, he, is actually a combat sports athlete. Yes, Jake Paul has been training boxing recently, but you look at who he has actually fought. He hasn't fought, you know, the real combat sports athletes like Ben Askren, despite not being a boxer or a great striker in particular, but he has that experience. He's gotten hit by very hard hitters. Robbie Lawler, you know, he fought Douglas Lima. The list goes on and on. Um, and he survived everything outside of a flying knee from Jorge Masvidal, which Jake isn't going to be able to throw. So just in terms of what would be the best case scenario, obviously it's Ben going out there and dispatching of this guy with the quickest and relative ease, taking no damage because that's how it should go. That makes, you know, that's what should happen. You would think, but like I said, Ben isn't known for his boxing. So I don't know. <laughs> Jed, what would the ideal fight look like in your eyes? If you could like, puppetly control it between Jake Paul and Ben Askren. Like what's the perfect, what's the perfect fight? Look, the obvious answer here is a double knockout. Like that's, that's the best. <laughs> we don't want either of these guys to win. So clearly that's the case, but I'm going to go the exact opposite way. Assuming I don't get the double knockout, like why on God's green earth, we want Ben Askren to succeed in a boxing match. Ben Askren is insufferable as it is. If he goes out and actually wins a boxing match, like then he's just going to be around in that sphere and be annoying. Unless he's going to Cinderella man it, we're like, oh, suddenly Ben Askren learned to box. Now he's coming back to MMA and he wins the title. I have no interest in Ben Askren succeeding in, in boxing whatsoever. Jake Paul, win or lose, he's still going to be doing this. And frankly, it's way easier for me to tune Jake Paul out of my life because he is not directly an MMA person like right now I have to kind of be involved for for this job with him and know him I had literally didn't know who this person was until we started talking about these fights here so you know if he wins great maybe he keeps trying to beef with Conor McGregor and I'll have to stay involved there but otherwise he goes and boxes Floyd Mayweather or what I don't have to care that's great. That's a perfect outcome. But if he loses, he's still going to try and box Conor McGregor. So I'm still going to have to care in that regard. Plus now Ben Askren had something good happen to him. Nobody wants anything good to happen to Ben Askren. So no, 100%. The best answer is a double knockout. Beyond that, give me Jake Paul because also, Mike, you want Jake Paul to win. We all want Jake Paul to win because if Jake Paul wins – he is going to get the Conor McGregor fight. That's going to happen. And that means clicks for all of us. You get a click, Drake, and I get a click. We all get clicks. We all want Jake Paul to win this one. 
I, I just want to say real quick, I disagree with the idea of Ben continuing to box if he does win, because I feel like he really understands the ridiculousness of this. He's not treating it like Jake Paul, Paul is an actual boxer. So if he goes out there and beats him, like, all right, I got my money. I, I'm, I'm done, man. Box, like, <laughs> he'll box Logan for another like 10 mil. He gets paid way more for this. We're just going to have to keep seeing him box people. Nobody wants to see him do well. I will admit that Drake's <laughs> right, uh, that Ben Askren like, is a combat sports athlete. And so, like, I don't like Jake Paul's not going to knock him out immediately. Uh, I'm not sure he's actually going to knock him out. But boxing and MMA are just like we say it all the time. I feel like nobody ever acknowledges what that means. These are very different sports. And so, yeah, Ben Askren has been hit in the head before, so he's not going to get folded up like, like Nate Robinson was. But he also just can't box. <laughs> so he's just going to – like Jake Paul can't really box, but he can kind of box. So he's going to win. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. I've talked to myself all the way into this event, if you can't tell. <laughs> it's, amazing. it's amazing. Go back and watch that Between the Links episode. I think it was from January where we reacted to this fight to where Jed is now. It is unbelievable. It's like two different people. It's amazing. <laughs> But listen, you could follow along with Jed's wonderful coverage Saturday night. He will be in Atlanta in the Dome uh, for MMA fighting. Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. It is finally going down, but we'll move ahead to other matters in the mixed martial arts world. The point for round one goes to... Drake Riggs gets the point. Drake Riggs gets the point. The people have spoken... We're giving it to Drake. Jed, Jed, what do you care? What do you care? You know where this <laughs> You know, it's all going to come down to the last five, five minutes of the show anyway. So listen. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. We're going to head to the UFC. Maybe not. Maybe this one's different. <laughs> I don't think it will be. If last week wasn't different, this week probably won't be different. <laughs> but let's head, let's head to the UFC. Let's head to the middleweight division of the UFC specifically because... There's been a lot of important matchups in this division recently. One of them took place this past Saturday, main event of UFC Vegas 23. Marvin Vittori picks up a one-sided unanimous decision win over Kevin Holland. He gets it done. It was not the most exciting win of all time, but it was a win. And now he's got five of those in a row. And as expected, he gets on the mic and he calls out Israel Adesanya for a rematch and a shot at the middleweight title. So, Jed Mishu, in your opinion, after that victory on Saturday over Kevin Holland... Has one Marvin Vittori earned himself the rematch? Has he earned himself a title shot? 
Look, if you gave him a title shot right now, it would be even less deserved than the point you just gave Drake. Like, that's <laughs> that would just be absolute nonsense. Like, one, Marvin Vittori jumped three spots in the rankings from that Kevin Holland win. I know the rankings are a joke, and we often lay bass them here, but, like, come on. We're, he kicked over. Like, it's fine to be in front of Darren Till. We know my thoughts on Darren Till and how he's not good at fighting, so I'm fine with him jumping in front of Darren Till. <laughs> But jumping in front of Derek Brunson, who, like, did an actually better performance against Kevin Holland than Vittori did, and Jared Cannonier, who at least has, like, really good wins. Like, that's just – that's cartoonish, man. That's them trying to set up this in case they need it. No. That was an awful performance. Like, it's a good performance in that he won the fight. He did what he needed to do. Solid. I'm never going to, like, totally bash a guy for getting the W because that means so much in this sport. But, like – I tweeted on fight night, I believe this to my very bones. Israel Adesanya was not losing any sleep watching that one. (laughs) Marvin Vittori did a bad Derek Brunson, Kevin Holland. And as a Kevin Holland, who's a short notice opponent too, like just, it wasn't, look, Marvin Vittori is good. And Marvin Vittori probably deserves a rematch with Adesanya at some point. He gave him a really tough fight the first go around, or at least he, he got a little stronger as that fight went on. But no, like the the Robert Whitaker deserves a title fight before this weekend uh, anyway. Assuming he does beat Gaslam, which is very like that's a big assumption. Obviously, that any that fight could go either way. If Whitaker beats him, you just got to run that back. If Gaslam wins, then yeah, you're in a little bit of a pickle. Uh, and at that point, I guess maybe Vittori does skip happily on in there, but that'll just be like nobody's going to be pumped about that fight. So I. Pull for, for pull for Bobby Knuckles because otherwise we're gonna have a real lackluster middleweight title fight in our hands. Drake, what do you think? Marvin Vittori, did he do enough to earn himself a title shot on Saturday? I do think that he has done enough, but man, the performance and you know, kind of springboarding off what Jed said about comparing it to the Derek Brunson fight that he also had with Kevin Hall, and it's hard kind of not to compare those two. It just wasn't kind of that excitement builder of a performance to really get people clamoring for it, despite Marvin Vittori now being on a five-fight winning streak. And I'm a strong, you know, supporter of winning streaks mattering. And, you know, he's got five now, so he's really rolling and put the momentum together, even though you could argue that Derek Brunson is, is still maybe equally as good, if not better, looking at opponents and kind of the performances he's put on. But I also want to argue that you know, Vittori fought maybe a better Kevin Holland on that night than Derek Brunson did. Just, I mean, in terms of seriousness, for sure. And he went out there and performed better. Yes, all the factors that come into with being short notice and what have you. But I think he has done enough. But will he get it? Probably not. It is. We shouldn't even be talking about this, right? Because Whitaker should be the guy who is getting his rematch over everything. But here we are. He has to get through another guy in Kelvin. Um, So Vittori has done enough, I think. But it's it is really messy at middleweight indeed so we're gonna we're, we're hoping for Whitaker to clean it up <laughs> that's kind of the thing right so we're clear Vittori's done enough that that is maybe going to be enough he's beaten the number seven and number 12 dudes that's like and I'm not I'm not bashing Drake because he might end up getting the title fight I'm saying that's the state we're in where uh, this guy. Middleweight's not great. Middleweight is not great. <laughs> 12. Like, okay, cool. It's funny. Remember, Dana White did that Q&A with Laura Sanko, and he was asked what 
the best division in the UFC was, and he said the middleweight know. division was the best division in the UFC. I, I'll never forget that because I was like, "What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Middleweight? Yeah. Middleweight was interesting at the beginning of the year. It is uh, not having Kevin Holland really in the fold kind of makes things a little less interesting. But okay, as you met, as you both mentioned, we got Whitaker versus Gaslam coming up on Saturday. Gaslam stepping in for Paulo Costa after he was forced to withdraw, and in most people's eyes. Your, your eyes included, Whitaker has done enough to earn the rematch with Adesanya already. But along the way, we've gotten the whole Dana White saying Robert Whitaker doesn't want to fight for the title thing. Adesanya went up and fought for the 205-pound title, came up short. So after Vittori's win on Saturday, Drake, like, is the pressure on Whitaker and Gaslam here? Like, do they see, like... This this there was like a small opening maybe because of all these middleweight title fights, middleweight middleweight fights that were very important. But now after that performance, do you think the doors open wider and there's pressure on these guys? Is the decision enough? Like if Robert Whitaker goes out there and wins a 48-47 across the board, is that enough to give him a title shot? Uh, it's it's so hard to say because it feels like Whitaker's kind of in that spot where he really needs to go out there and be really flashy or do something that you know drops jaws a little bit but it should be enough and i think that we're probably at that point now as we've just alluded to with everything else going on at middleweight where a win just in general will be enough to give him the title shot unless you know like we mentioned last night mike uh darren till is still you know once he heals up who knows if he just gets thrown in there because that's very very possible uh you know would be as logical as maybe the jorge masvidal rematch coming up here but that's sarcasm, by the way. Uh, yeah, Robert Whitaker. I think the pressure, if anything, is on Kelvin Gastelum because he's coming in here. He, if he wins this fight, he launches all the way back up to where he was before he lost to Adesanya in the first place in that interim title fight. I, I think he's got to be feeling it because if he loses, then he just kind of goes back to where he was, and he's one in what one in four in his last five now, or maybe not that bad. But you know, he hasn't won <laughs> all that much recently, so. Uh, if anybody's feeling the pressure, I think he is in. I don't know if he will get a title shot by beating Whitaker, but he'd be in a very good spot, especially if he could go out there and finish him. So I think he's probably feeling it. Whitaker seems to be just in a good spot and doing his own thing these days. Jed, does does Whitaker have to go out there and do something impressive to like get the shot, or is it just a win enough to to get him over that hump and appease Dana and the matchmakers and everybody else? I think just a win. Uh, it's questionable because for whatever reason, Adesanya is like really not interested in that rematch. Um, and I, to some extent, I get it that he uh, he's not going to beat him any better than he did the first time. But like, if, if Whitaker wins, he's got wins over like five guys in the top ten. Like he's three three top ten ranked fighters in a row. Like all of those wins are better than any of Vittori's wins. Like he should very clearly get the rematch. And I think sort of given the contours of the division, Dana, they'll pull the trigger on it, especially as the world is opening back up a little bit. I know, um, you know, in the Asia Pacific region, that's, uh, you know, particularly in like New Zealand stuff, that's a little less true, but if they can make this another big fight in Australia or New Zealand, you know, end of the year, as things start, the the world returns to normal. uh, That's a big enough incentive for them. And, it's it's just the objectively right thing to do. Like if, if Robert Whitaker wins, he's beating three top ten ranked opponents. Like so, yeah, I think a win's enough. I don't think he has to be flashy. Uh, I think really just the the way the division is, the hands are tied elsewhere. And even if Adesanya doesn't want to, doesn't really want to fight him, does he really want to rematch 
Marvin Vittori who just laid on Kevin Holland for 25 minutes. Like, no, at that point, there are not any great options for Adesanya because all the people he wants to fight are not good and can't win, uh, a.k.a. Darren Till. So, yeah, he's just going to have to beat Bobby Knuckles again. And that would be cool because that first fight was really fun. So I'm down to watch it again, and I think that's what we'll get. Jed, despite – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Drake. I was going to say, I I think that we kind of underestimate a little bit the potential uh, buildup to a Vittori and Adesanya rematch because obviously Marv Vittori is a guy who can get pretty emotional and, you know, a little bit wild at times. And he's spoken openly about uh, Adesanya since their first fight and how he wants it back. I think he believes he won. I know there were some people who do believe that he won. It was even a split decision, maybe, right? I got his record up right here. Uh, yes, it was. So, I mean, there are people out there who believe he won. He made it competitive enough with uh, Adesanya before getting to the championship picture. And I think in terms of a buildup and a back and forth right now, outside of Till, who should not should not be in the picture despite being there because Adesanya wants him to be, I think the buildup to this one could probably be a lot more fun than we're giving it credit for, just in terms of back-and-forth banter. Like, look at how interested people got in Costa versus Adesanya, which that one on paper we kind of should have expected. It's easy to say that in hindsight, but that always should have played out how it did. With these options, Jed. Yeah, go ahead. I just don't know because, like, this could totally be a me thing. Obviously, I'm pretty well known to just not like some guys. And I just have very little interest in Marvin Vittori. I think that he's, like, he's gotten way better. He's a really improved fighter. And he's a very good fighter, like, clearly a top five middleweight. Uh, I am never like, ooh, Marvin Vittori's fighting. Yeah. <laughs> let's Let's turn that on. That'll be a good time. So, like, I'm just – that might just be a me thing. Like I'm willing to believe that other people might be more excited and Vittori will certainly say things. Um, whether those things are interesting is very questionable. Whether they're true is probably unquestionably they won't be, but he'll say some stuff. So maybe that would give uh, Adesanya something to play with, but uh, really the, the buildup for any Adesanya fight is going to be how clever he is. Uh, I think it'll have a lot less to do with his opponent. So I'm like, to be fair, or to be honest, I, I think I talked about this program. I had no interest in the in the Costa buildup because Paula Costa is the worst kind of trash talker, and I think Marvin Vittori would be something similar to that. Despite not fighting, despite having to scratch from an ABC main event, Jed, and breaking his collarbone and having to miss some time, was Darren Till the biggest winner on Saturday? Yeah, Darren Till might get the next title shot. Like just straight up. <laughs> like I don't it's it is entirely plausible that Adesanya, like whatever, like if, if Whitaker wins, or hell even if Gaslam wins this weekend, maybe Adesanya is like, I just want to fight that dude and you guys like him because nobody in the entire sport fails upward more than Darren Till. I've talked about it several times in this program. He has one like good win on his entire resume, and that's Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Like everything else, he very, very questionably won those fights. So, and he just keeps getting bigger opportunities. Like what happened? He fell out of a fight before this one, uh, or somebody fell out of a fight. He was supposed to fight like somebody in the top. 10 or something and then fell ass backwards into the Vittori fight despite a pullout like so he's just going to keep doing that and go he's going to have a title shot so yeah 
big time winner because he could tweet, ah, I would have killed that guy. And the UFC would just be like, yeah, he would have. Title shot. Let's go. <laughs> it was Jack Hermanson he was supposed to fight. Yeah, exactly. See, he went from Jack Hermanson to Vittori. Big time upgrade. Now he's just going to do it again. Unreal. What do you think, Drake? I, I mean, that's really just hard to disagree with. I, I, uh, I mean, Durant Till is just, it's so interesting, that guy. I think he is one of the better examples of where a personality really can take you pretty far in MMA. And that's not to say he's not a talented MMA fighter, because he definitely is. But yeah, his his wins just, and his activity in particular, hasn't been a lot lately. And, you know, that Donald Cerrone fight, it's pretty easy to say that that is the most impressive performance of his career, which not even in the division that he's in right now. Like it's, it's really the most impressive performance of his <laughs> yeah. career. There's no, so, like that is inarguable. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very interesting to see how, uh, Darren Till does this. And I mean, it's impressive giving props, you know, good for him for getting title shots that way, potentially. <laughs> I, I truly feel that if Darren Till can f- can come back and fight this year, he will fight for the belt next. Like, no if rhyme or reason. It's just, it's just what's going to happen. He just gets a top 10 win. He's definitely fighting for the title. I'm 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 only half joking when I say he might get the next title shot. Like, Adesanya clearly just wants to fight him, and the UFC is invested in him financially already. So, like, it's very plausible that they're just like, okay, whatever. He just did it with Romero. Like Romero's on a losing streak, and yeah, but what's you forget the old Romero is the I actual weight in the world. Why would you possibly bring him up when I'm on this program? <laughs> I was just waiting for that, but listen, we will see what happens at 185. Hopefully, we'll have some some more clarity after Saturday night. But we're gonna move ahead to another big story of the week. But the point for round two goes to. Jed Mishu, the champ on the board, one-to-one. There we go. Fight circus for life. Let us now discuss the heat that has come to the rivalry between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Now, we found out that the fight is now official for UFC 264 on July 10th. T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, full capacity. Tickets are going to go on sale this week. They will likely sell out shortly thereafter, but... Earlier in the week, Conor McGregor made it seem like the fight might have been in jeopardy. He was going to offer the fight to somebody else. Dustin Poirier decided to respond to a Conor McGregor prediction for this fight of a front kick KO by sharing to the world that Conor McGregor and his team have not come through with a large donation to the Good Fight Foundation that was discussed prior to their fight at UFC 257. They go back and forth. You guys have all seen the tweets. Poirier said... McGregor's team hasn't responded to the foundation about the donation. They've been ghosted. Adi Attar, Connor's manager, got involved. McGregor attributed to doing his due diligence to make sure T's were crossed and I's were dotted. And then threats and insults and bringing up Poirier's contract and on and on we go. But before we get into the fight itself, Drake Riggs, with this whole airing of grievances on Twitter, who was right? Who was wrong? Were they both wrong? Were they both right? What say you? Uh, I mean, for me, it feels pretty clear to say that McGregor's kind of in the wrong, just because 
first of all, knowing Dustin's character and, you know, he's not really a guy to bring stuff up like this, especially this, something that's so important to him. That is the Good Fight Foundation. And to air this all out in public shows you that, you know, maybe there is some funny business, obviously, and that, you know, he's very serious about that and not happy with what is going on. And for Connor to say that he would donate as much money as he said that he would, not really a cool thing to do to go back on it. And yeah, he still has time to do it. But, uh, you know, having potentially ghosted in the workings to make that happen, that is not a good look, especially business-wise. And, you know, Connor is clearly a businessman. Uh, he's got his proper 12, all that stuff going on. And, you know, if we are assuming that he still has, you know, enough money around to spare and th there's no reason not to go uh, continue with his word on this. Um, but, you know, I, I still believe that, this whole thing is a, a, a strategy here for Connor to kind of get under uh, Dustin's skin a little bit, get him back emotional to how he was in the first time they met at featherweight because Dustin has openly admitted that that was a big part of th that fight going in and how he was not fully capable of, uh, you know, being his best on that night and it cost him. So things were a lot more respectful in the rematch, you know, Connor, could, there's an excuse right there. You know, I know you touched on that too last night, Mike. Um, so just when you look at Connor has done these charitable acts and stuff before, you know, he's built homes for people in Ireland, uh, not connected to MMA. And so you look at this is a case where he's going into a trilogy fight with a guy who just knocked him out. First time he's been knocked out a fight that he arguably needs to win uh, pretty badly, not for his star power necessarily, but for his position and people taking him seriously. Right. Um it's when he wants to go back to the old Connor ways and they're not as creative as they were on the buildup. And I think that's a bit of the situation where he hasn't won a whole lot lately or been as active as he was. So it doesn't quite hit the same. And especially to a guy that just knocked you out and Connor sharing the, the pictures from the first fight after being knocked out, it just doesn't really <laughs> click the same way. So I just think the whole thing's a strategy. And especially when you look at the Habib, rivalry for example he was willing to go to great lengths and what he said about habib and his family religion all that kind of stuff and then we get to the fight and in the fight he says it's just business man it's just business he's willing to go to those great lengths this is probably a, you know arguably a big greater when this much money is involved for, for such a good cause but uh it would not surprise me if this is just a part of connor's plan to rile up dustin and maybe make things a, a bit easier uh, for the fight itself. Jed, well, or anybody who follows Jed on Twitter, you already kind of know where he stands in this argument, but now he gets the chance to kind of expound on this situation. So you've seen it. Who was right? Who was wrong? Were they both right? Were they both wrong? And your thoughts on what Drake just said there? I don't know whether what Drake said was a compliment or a real big dig at Connor. Cause if this is a strategy, it's the stupidest strategy I've ever heard of in my entire life like you could find other ways to to hurt connor or to or to, to hurt dustin or get dustin off his game or, or draw him into an argument than not donating to charity that you said you were going to do like this let's table that for a second i guess we'll just answer because I'm, I'm really unsure how how this would be a good strategy to me Super obvious. I, I will throw a major caveat. Assuming all sides are telling the truth here, to to what extent that truth is is real, uh, it's pretty obvious that Connor's Connor's in the wrong here. Um, you know, if maybe 
like there's just been a bold faced lie thrown out, which I by no means believe Dustin Boyer did that, then yeah, that'd be fine. My takeaways here are largely, uh, I said this a couple weeks ago, it remains a borderline miracle that like John Jones doesn't have a, a PR dude who just does his tweeting for him because there's a really like, this is a very easy solve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my team hadn't gotten back to you, Dustin. I don't know what that's about, man. Let me talk to them. We're going to square this away. This is a non-story. Great. And we move forward because I, I assume Connor's good for his word here. He will ultimately end up giving this money. Obviously, the Good Fight Foundation isn't going to squander it just to like embezzle for Poirier to buy a car or something like that. So this whole thing's really dumb. If if it is a strategy, it would be a really stupid one. But I don't think it's a strategy because this is this is just who Connor is. Not that Connor is a guy who welches on his uh, obligations or, or his word, but you can set your clock by by Connor's reaction after losses. He is Mister Humble at the post fight press conference. Like in that three hour span post loss, he takes a loss better than almost anyone in the sport. Uh, not as good as Demetrius Johnson. Shout out Mighty Mouse. That was a hell of a thing you did against Adrian Amaris. Uh, but he he's really good, and he only like vaguely hints at excuses. Ah, I, I misused my energy, or ah, the leg kicks. I just I wasn't ready for that technique. And then the further out he gets, the more time he gets to go home and drink his proper twelve and and think about it and stew on it. And then it it's it's everyone else's fault. I, I you know I broke my foot against Habib, and I didn't tell you guys. Plus, I didn't really take the training seriously. Plus, he all he did was hump me anyway. Like he just builds layers of excuses on top of each other because that's just how he handles things. And a couple of months later, he's popping off at the mouth again about ah, ne- next time I'm gonna kill this guy. And it this is just what he's done every time he's lost. Like he did it and he got a rematch with Nate as a result. He did it and then he kept going with with Habib, didn't get close to a rematch for his own good because Habib would have just burned right through him again. And then he's just done it here with Dustin. Like he just I think he's just reacting. He's mad about the situation and he's mad that he got called out because nobody likes getting their, you know, when they're wrong, nobody's reaction or most people's reaction is not hand up, man. Screwed up on that one. My bad. Let me correct it. It's they, they dig in their heels. They get mad. And then they're like, ah, we need to vet your foundation. Come on, man, whatever. So like, obviously Dustin Poirier is in the right here just because counter people already hate me i will throw the one caveat it was a little weird uh the way dustin threw that out there like it felt like a stretch obviously this was something that he would like wanted action on and took took this as the opportunity to say it but it that like the connection between oh good prediction bt dubs you didn't give me the money you said like that was felt that just didn't feel all that natural but Dude, put that man's business out in the streets. If he's not paying five hundred grand to charity, everybody gave him a ton of good press for it, which they should. If he actually follows through on that, we should just give him the good press again. Like that's a good thing to do. But you shouldn't get to take all the benefit from that and then not do anything with it. Like that's busted. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, he will end up giving that money. I mean, it was just the whole thing was just kind of weird. Dustin came out and apologized. I thought that was really cool, but. Let me ask you this, Jed. Has what happened in the last few days 
made you more interested in the fight itself? Like there's obviously some more sizzle on the stake. It doesn't seem like we're going to be seeing hugs and posing for photos this time around at the press conference and at the weigh-ins, et cetera, et cetera. Whether it's a work or a shoot or gamesmanship or whatnot, has this made you more interested in the fight itself? Not in the slightest. Like it's just, this is this is the worst beef of all beefs to like make me think, oh, these guys are going to hate each other. Because one, Dustin's not going to care at all. Like Dustin is, you know, maybe like mildly upset that, hey, you said you were going to do this thing and you didn't. That's not cool. I really wanted to use that money for good. But he, Dustin Poirier is not the Poirier of eight years ago. Like he's not going to come to this with a hot head and just walk into to Connor stuff. Like he is a veteran. He is battle tested. He's going to be the same way coming into this fight. Maybe he'll talk a little bit more if Connor keeps taking shots at him. I don't even think that's true. So this is, this is Connor. If this is Connor doing a strategy, it's a bad one. And you're going to see him kind of pivot to more things and just try and find cracks like he did with a beep. It didn't work at all. It's not going to work this time. His look, the book's out on him. Everyone knows that game and most people are going to be prepared to, to not let that get to him. So I just don't care at all about this. What do you think, Drake? Does it make more interesting? Cause like, for, I know Drake has alluded to last night. Last night, Drake and I were both on like the same live chat with John Hyun Ko or on the South China Morning Post thing, just chop, chop it up with people. And we were talking about this. And to me, I feel like because Connor's doing this, like I think everything's out on the table now. Like there's no excuses here. Like this is old. You could call him old Connor. You can call him motivated Connor. Like all the adjective Connors that we've, been talking about that apparently didn't show up in January. Like apparently this guy's going to show up in July. Now that's what everyone's excited about. Does this, what has happened the last few days, the things that have been said, does it make you any more excited for this fight? Uh, not really. It makes me more excited for the buildup and like, as we get closer to it and to see how they kind of interact together, especially in a more normal setting, presumably uh, how things will maybe go back to being as uh, Vegas will be open and this will be a full crowd events and all that stuff. But as for the fight, like I'm excited for it because it's an interesting fight and all that, but it's not, I don't think we needed this and this isn't one exactly that, you know, I would prefer to see Dustin and Connor fight other people. Now, you know, we just saw him got knocked out. It was pretty, it is what it is. So I don't think we need it, but I get why it's happening. Great business move makes all the sense in the world from that point of view. But yeah, something to this kind of level and what it's about just you know stupid as i think most will agree with <laughs> but uh it doesn't add too much for the fight itself to me but in terms of if the interactions will change going forward i'm interested to see how that plays out but in terms of the fight now this does nothing at all yeah i mean i'm fine with the fight dustin wants it probably as bad as connor did so pay pay him i'm, I'm cool with that but last thing on this jed we, we've gotten a lot of this question over the last few days, is this the proverbial must win for Connor? Like in terms of his star power, his leverage, the drawing power, like if he goes out there and gets calf kicked and taken down, stopped in the second round again, like how detrimental is that for McGregor? You know, the superstar fighter, the pay-per-view draw, like how bad is this if he goes out there and gets stopped by Dustin again? Close to not at all. Uh, 
I mean, he wants to win. I think winning opens a few more doors for him than would otherwise, but losing barely closes any. Like, he's still the biggest draw in MMA by a wide margin, and everyone will still want to fight him, and people will still want to watch him fight. Like, star power does not fade that well in the sport. So, uh, from, like, a brass tack standpoint, no. The win, though, does a lot for him. This is one of those situations where, like, if he loses, I don't think it sets him that far back but a win can, can propel him to better things. Like, right. I think if he wins, if he wins, the title shot will be on the table. If he wants that, I don't know that he actually will want that because that's just not a, that's not a great fight for him. Like from a lucrative standpoint, it does get him the belt again, but he really is beyond belts. Like a McGregor belt would be a fine purchase for the UFC to, to do here. Cause he's beyond them. He, it does not, he does not need them. And I don't really think they matter to him. Uh, but a win, probably does create an opportunity for the Manny Pacquiao boxing match. I know there's managed by the same people. It's still, that's still something both sides want. So a loss probably takes that off the table, but a win, I think a win, maybe we see Connor back at, at a boxing crossover for a really big payday, even with a loss. He still has plenty of MMA fights that will be lucrative. The Nate Diaz is a back pocket fight that can happen at any point in time. Or Jorge Masvidal, any number of fights that people would still absolutely take for him. Uh, and then, of course, there's the big one, win or lose. McGregor has Jake Paul on the table. Like, that. that's never going away at all. And that's – honestly, that's – people laugh. That's probably the biggest fight he can be in. Maybe Pacquiao generates more – more revenue, but like if Jake Paul beats Ben Askren this weekend, there's not an event that's going to pay him more than boxing Jake Paul. There just isn't. That is a very interesting take. Drake, last thing. Are you surprised at the betting lines for this fight? Like right now, depending on where you look at, either Connor is a slight favorite, it's a pick 'em, or yeah, that's where it's at right now. Like, there's there's not a lot of sites that have Dustin as the favor right now. It's either like super duper close, a pick 'em, or Connor's like a slight favorite. Are you surprised by this? I'm not surprised, but I disagree with the line. I think that, you know, Dustin should definitely be favored going and just considering the last fight, of course, and you know, he should have been favored the first time around. But Connor is generally always favored in these kind of cases, or his odds are a lot better than they should be. Like, you know, you look at the Floyd fight is the most extreme example you could possibly use, but and there's, he's got so many people supporting him and believing in his possibilities. No matter how badly he loses, like you know, getting knocked out in the last fight against the same guy, so it does not at all shock me. Um, you know, people are going to put their money down on him. Believe that's the power that he has of you know speaking and persuading people into believing, whether it's excuses or his own confidence. You know, all this stuff. Uh, he just has a way with people buying into him and he's earned it at this point because of the career he's crafted and the star power that he has. So it, it's not at all surprising. I mean, if it would have been like w way out there, like plus 500 or something crazy, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Right. But you know, that still probably wouldn't surprise me because that's how th the fans are. So <laughs> We'll be obviously discussing this fight more and more in the coming months, but we will head to the final round of regulation. And the point for round three goes to... Jed Mishu. It is two to one heading into the final question of regulation. And this is a fun one because we began this show talking about 
the main events for this weekend. A lot of eyeballs are upon, you know, Bellator and UFC, especially the Triller card. But there are a slew of other bouts that MMA fans and combat sports fans can uh, get excited about and look forward to over the next two nights. So, Jed, we will begin with you, whether it be from UFC Vegas 24 Bellator 257, or even if you want to go deep into the Triller boxing card that you will be be a part of on Saturday, what is the low-key best fight of the weekend that nobody is talking about? So it's not gonna be on the <clears throat> not gonna be on the Triller boxing card. Uh there's just not a lot of meat on the unless you want to watch Frank Mir get knocked out in boxing, which is admittedly kind of a funny prospect, but it's it's really not like that's not a banger that we're trying to watch. Uh Bellator has a couple couple options in there. I will just quickly shout out uh, the Saul Rogers Mads Brunel fight and the uh, Pedro Carvalho uh, JJ Wilson. Like both of those are really good. Honestly, that's like a much higher level prelim fight than Bellator cards usually get. So both of those are like really good fights. But uh, the UFC card like actually has a lot of pretty solid bouts on it. It, it suffers from the fact that it's twelve fights when it should be like seven. Uh, but there's still like a lot going on here outside of the main event for, for the heads, for the deep heads. For me, I, you know, you know, me. you know that I want to pick a Gerald Mearshart fight as a low key banger because Gerald Mearshart's comical. And so why wouldn't I pick that? And, and let's be clear in case anyone forgot, what was my low key banger last week, Mike? What was it? The heavyweight fight was the heavyweight it fight. Not- I'm trying to remember. No, it was, it was Julia Marquez. Versus oh, that's right. Yeah, Ivy, exactly. Yep. Fight of the night. In fact, the <laughs> textbook definition of a low-key banger. And so I would love to pick Gerald Mearshart under those same auspices, but I am going with the heavyweight fight this this weekend. Because, not not Andre Olowski, Chase Sherman. Let's be super clear. Definitely not. <laughs> um, but Alexander Romanov and uh, Juan Espino – they are prospects by nature of being heavyweights. Even though Juan Espino is like 50, he still kind of counts as a prospect because he hasn't been around that long and he has a gaudy record. And Alexander Romanov is 13-0 and he has a forearm choke in his last win. Espino has a scarfold choke. Like Both of these are, are enormous human beings who aren't really good at fighting but are, are good in like the funniest, best way possible. Uh, they can kind of grapple in like weird – heavy man grappling style. So this is going to be a travesty, dude. Like this is, these guys are going to be sucking wind four minutes in and it's going to be the most enjoyable ground fest we've seen in quite some time. Just like two walruses just hitting each other. It's going to be the best. And one of them will end up being like a top 10 heavyweight as a result of it. So easily my low-key banger this weekend. Nobody's talking about it. And this fight is going to be fantastic. (laughs) Ah, there's, there's the horns. Drake, what's yours? Well, first of all, that, that's just an absurd choice, man. I mean, <laughs> the first thing you called a 13 and 0. Come on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Look who he's going against, though. And I love Juan Espino. 
I love Juan Espino. I do. I think he's great. Alexander Romanov, though, you just called him not very good despite being 13-0. Yes, he's a heavyweight, but this guy is very legit, and as much as I would love for this fight to be awesome, I expect kind of some one-way traffic here. Romanov should just beat the poor brakes off of Juan Espino. I don't think it's going to be very good, and you should give some more love to uh, King Kong there, man. Jeez, no respect. But in terms of the low-key banger this weekend, not UFC. Definitely not thriller boxing nonsense. It is all about Bellator this week for me. Going back, yes, Phil Davis is headlining a bet. It is on this card. There are so many good ones to choose from. And, you know, just look at the prelims alone, and then you get up to the main card. There are so many different fights that didn't even kind of realize they were happening until fight week hit here. So, I mean, Carvalho versus Wilson, that is one. And, you know, Mike highlighted these again to go back to Mike's comments last night. Uh, Desiree Yanez versus Vita Ortega, that's one I got to point out. I'm very, very excited for that one. The Flyweights opening up the show on the main card. Showtime, Desiree Yanez, very, very good prospect taking on former title challenger Vita Ortega. I think that the styles clash there is going to be very good, very exciting. Desiree Yanez making... Uh, you know, her Bellator debut, great spot to be in coming off of a Combate, a Combate America's uh, fight with Super Melly, where she was definitely robbed in that one. And yes, that was 2019. So she's been itching to get back in there. I think it's going to be awesome. But I don't know if that is going to be my pick for the one fight that we should hone in on, hone in on here. I think that is probably got to be Paul Daly versus Saba Hamasi because... I mean, how can you go wrong with Paul Daly and Hamasi, who are just, you know, known highlight real machines in Paul Daly's last fight, right? I mean, it's supposed to be. We'll see how MA retirements work out as they generally don't. But nobody's talking about this one whatsoever. Like, I, I didn't realize this was this weekend, but I, I, I would be stunned if this is not a knockout in the first two rounds. But I mean, how can you go wrong there? Paul Daly's got to go out big on his retirement fight. Retirement. So uh, I think that's probably the one to highlight. But you, can, you can't you can go wrong with a lot of these Bellator uh, fights happening. Just don't pick the Julia Budd one because that shouldn't even be happening. No no disrespect to her, but that, that's uh, bad matchmaking. See, the cool right, problem we'll is that if a fight happens on the undercard of a Phil Davis fight card, does it really happen? Because I don't think it does. <laughs> Nobody's going to be paying attention because Phil Davis is the guy who's supposed to be bringing you in. So we're not going to get – admittedly, Daily Hamasi is a very fun Given fight. No we're love for the it. champ here, man. <laughs> <laughs> is Correct. this all about Phil Davis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just Phil Davis is he's the anti-fun. So it doesn't matter how exciting you are. You could put Carlos Condit in there with him. It's just not going to work out because that's not what Phil Davis does. Phil Davis doesn't make entertaining fights. He makes the exact inverse of them. And look, he's very effective at winning, but like, come on. You really, you really, be honest. Well, Drake, that's that's not even the banger I chose, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's okay. We, we can be honest. You're, you're telling me you really don't want to see Waspino? Come on. Come on. Take it on. Come on. We can be, it's okay to, to embrace the circus of it all because that's where the fun is <laughs> you, you're telling me look the thing i'm most interested this weekend aside from paul Askren, isn't even a fight it's whether they're gonna let dakota bush use his nickname on espn <laughs> i don't think they're gonna let harry bush go out i don't but if they do it's gonna be great these are the things that get me into this sport <laughs> God, I love how Casey plays the magic land of make believes chime in the background after he's saying <laughs> Harry Bush. But uh, Drake, let me ask you this: 
we'll, we'll take we'll take Triller out of the equation, all right? Because because we know this is right. not going to be the answer. But what is the better card overall, top to bottom, UFC or Bellator? Like who's putting first fight to the last fight? What's the better card overall, in your opinion? I mean, I feel like I've made it pretty <laughs> obvious at this point that I'm Team Bellator this weekend. Uh, they, yeah, there's just so many compelling matchups for me in this one. And I mean, there is a title fight. That is a big key selling point for me as much as you want to <laughs> knock on it. I'm all for this rematch. The tournament, man. It's a part of a tournament. You can't go wrong. I, I mean... Yeah, just just look at all the matchups here. I know that we're just getting rolling with the Bellator ranking, so that's something that yeah, that doesn't grab my attention a whole lot. But I know that's fun for people, especially in the the early going. But just in terms of the stylistic clashes, like it, it's awesome. And I want to go back to that Pedro Carvalho and uh, JJ Wilson one. Like that's what the third fight opening the prelims or something. Pedro Carvalho just got done fighting Pitbull, and now he's fighting JJ Wilson, who is. It's a huge fight for him, you know, a fantastic, very legit prospect getting his biggest fight yet. So, you know, outside of everything except for uh, and Steve Mowry's back too. like, look at all the names that are kind of on this that are not huge names necessarily yet, but very good people to hone in on and see where their careers go. And for some where they have gone, like Bell Daly on the main card, like, I don't know, there's just a lot to like about it, especially if you follow you know, the ins and outs of the sport. So that's it for me. Jed, you made a passionate plea for the heavyweight low-key banger between Romanoff and Espino. And that is an interesting Very fight, cool. no doubt about it. But what's the better card overall? Like on paper, when you look at it, like I don't want to, I don't want to play that if you, if you can only watch one, cause you'll probably watch both, but which one are you like more excited about? Like if you could watch one from the very first fight, to the to the last fight, which one are you picking? The UFC or Bellator this weekend? Honestly, it's super close. Like I I think on paper, especially to people who are like not that deep in the game, uh, Bellator might be a little bit better, just because they uh, it's it's one of the best top to bottom cards they've put they put together. Uh, especially if all you know just on paper you're looking at a light heavyweight title fight and you think oh that might be fun and you forget that Phil Davis is in it. But, like, I, I actually genuinely think we're underselling the shit out of the UFC card. Like, just to be super clear, neither of us mentioned the co-main event. Jeremy Stevens, Jacar Close, is, that's an absolute banger of a fight. And neither of us talked about that as being an under-the-radar awesome fight. And nobody's talking about that fight either. I think there are really good fights on both cards. I think both cards are 12 or 13 fights which is like five too many. If you cut away some of the, the chafe, like if you took Julia Butt off the Bellator card, the card gets better. Um, and if you did the same with some of the UFC fights, the cards get better. I, I think ultimately maybe I will say that Bellator has a better top to bottom card just because JJ Wilson, I'm really interested in watching fight. Um, and even like I, like I said earlier, the Mads Brunel, um, Saul Rogers fight, like that's a really good curtain jerker. Um, they, they have a, a quality show put together. And so I'll give Ty to Bellator because they still very rarely win these. But the UFC is, is low-key putting together a fun card. It's just not one anyone's going to really care about because they don't know the greatness that's going to be Romanov Espino. Guaranteed. Guaranteed fight of the night right there. Well... We shall see. Bellator, Bellator's next trapping. card after this one 
Bellator's next card after this one is ridiculous. The May 7th card is wild. I'm so excited to talk about that card on the show uh, for sure because we just added MVP versus Derek Anderson to that card. So now we got that. We have Gallagher, Patchy Mix. We got Yoel Romero versus Anthony Johnson. And then we got the title fight between Archuleta and Pettis. This is crazy. That's That is a sick main card right there, but that is May 7th. Uh, gentlemen, after four hard-fought rounds... Drum roll, please. Drake has tied it up. We head to the knockout round. It was a passionate plea. I had tears in my eyes listening to you sell Roman off Espino. You didn't even have to sell me on that one, but Drake had the right answer. It was, <laughs> was daily by, by now, by now, Mike, you know what's good. I've taught you enough for you to understand what good fighting is. And so I don't have to sell these to you because now you understand. That's true. You're absolutely right. But <laughs> speaking of fun fights, speaking of fun fights, we have the knockout round. So one question is going to decide it all. Yes. We're going to go back to a, uh, a new favorite from 2020, from 2021 for this final question. But each of these gentlemen are going to have one minute to give their final response. They have no idea how this final round is going to work. And after the minute, We'll turn it over to the Honorable E. Casey Lydon, who, with the help of the wonderful viewing audience, will render the final decision. So, Mr. Jed Mishu, you have the option. You have the, the champion's prerogative, so to speak. Would you like to go first, or would you like to pass this on over to Mr. Drake Riggs? You know, I'm going to pass. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take full advantage of the champion's prerogative. All right. Drake Riggs, welcome to the final round, and welcome... To what am I thinking? All right, we got four possible choices. Each choice will represent a fighter. You will choose a number between one and four, and with your one minute, you will put yourself in the shoes of said fighter, and you will tell the world what you are thinking or what could you could be thinking at this very moment. You don't have to do accents. You don't have to change your voice or anything like that. I mean, if you want to, great. James Lynch, perfect example, doing the T.J. Dillashaw impression, but... uh. Pick a number between one and four, sir. Three. Going with three. Ooh. Drake, you are Kevin Holland. We haven't had a chance to talk about you in depth on the program today. You've, you had a tremendous 2020. You've had a rough start to 2021. You just lost your second consecutive main event. What are you thinking, Kevin Holland? we got one minute on the clock, and your time starts now. Well, you know, I just I had a really rough stretch right there, you know, obviously with Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori. But, man, I'm still down to fight whoever. Give me a Whitaker Gastelum. I think that if anybody falls out right there, it's definitely possible. I'm, I'm going to jump on in, take it, get back on the winning path. And, you know, this this COVID thing's not really a big deal. So if somebody has that going on. <laughs> I'm down to jump in there, you know, it's whatever. I can get a win, jump in against Adesanya. I'll still fight him right now. If they want to give me the title shot, what's this Darren Till talk? Get out of here, man. Big mouth, ready to go whenever they need me. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when. I know I've lost two in a row, but people were getting title shots off of, you know, losses all the time these days. So it doesn't matter. I'll still bury him. Give me the fight. I'll take it whenever. <laughs> I'll give you an extra Nicely cent. done, Mr. <laughs> Yes, that, nicely done, Mr. Riggs. It, it was amazing. Like you started off, and then slowly we started to hear 
that that big mouth come out of you a little bit as uh as, as the time went on so we heard from kevin holland we now go to the champion jed mishu you have uh three numbers to choose from one two and four make your selection so two's on it jed you have chosen the number representing the now former ufc bantamweight champion piotr jan a lot going on in your life these days <laughs> What are you thinking right now? Your minute starts now. This sucks. I am such an <laughs> idiot. I was winning that fight so handily, and there was no way that I was going to lose. And I stood over this man. I stood over him for seven full seconds, and I kept punching him because he was down. And he stayed down, and nothing changed. And then I decided, I'm going to need this dude. And it's bullshit. It is trash that the greatest fighter of all time gets kneed in the face and everyone celebrates how good that is. But I do it to a guy that nobody even really likes that I was clearly beating and now I'm the villain. I don't have a belt. He's getting surgery. He's going to be out for six, nine months. And he's trying real hard not to fight me. I don't actually think that's true, but my ego doesn't let me believe that that's not true. So this sucks. Now I'm going to have to fight Sugar Sean O'Malley. That kid is not that great. But if I lose to him, I'm going to look like a real ass. This man, I hate this. Why did I need him? I could have just punched him and won the fight. What the hell am I doing? There you go. There's the minute right there. Uh, number one was Tony Ferguson, and number four was Aljamain Sterling. So things could have got very interesting. I wow. chose from 15 different <laughs> names that were thrown into in, into this Red Sox hat right here. I have, uh, and those I are the four I came up with. I thought I would knew, knew who you'd have, and the guy I wanted was not in that group. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who was the guy you wanted? Francis Ngannou, obviously. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. He was one of the 15, by the way. He was one of the 15 that made the list. But all right, we have heard from the combatants, and now it's all off my shoulders. We turn it on over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon. We'll let the, the, the folks, you know, give their opinion on this. We'll just kind of weigh, we'll, we'll lay out the programming for the rest of the week. Tomorrow, of course, a lot to discuss. We got the weigh-ins for Askren Paul. We have the preview show for Askren Paul and UFC Vegas 24. Then, obviously, on set, we'll have the Bellator coverage. And, of course, on Saturday, we'll have coverage of both the UFC and the Triller event. Jed will be there for Triller. And then we'll have all the normal programming, the pre-fight Q&A. Uh, I will actually not be a part of the pre-fight Q&A. I have to DJ a wedding that I was supposed to DJ before this pandemic started, and it turned out oh, that I got yeah. rebooked for April 17th. After all that, it's the last wedding of my career, so I got to get it done, and uh, I will be back for the post-fight show, hopefully. But we turn it over to Casey. Casey Lydon, who wins this week? Who leaves the virtual arena as the BTL champion? All right, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, the comments coming in. Got a lot of fans for a certain competitor. Oh, boy. Oh, they're still coming in. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Hey, someone just, someone just insulted me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. Here we go. God. You're a winner. Oh. Oh, no. We already know. And new. Whoa! What? 
I did not see that coming. You s- wow, that was a that was a selling job right there. The fans, the fans, the day. <laughs> yeah, everyone the, hates me. You shouldn't read the comments. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I gotta give him something. I gotta give him something. Oh, <laughs> nonsense. Stop there we nonsense. go. There we go. My first BTL win. <laughs> wow, and, long time and coming. The way the way Casey presented it, it was like it it sounded like it like hurt his soul to say the answer. So I thought for sure it was gonna be Jed, and then he comes yeah. out with Drake. So gotta go with this fellow mustache brother. Yeah. The best two mustaches in MMA media. <laughs> <laughs> but you could you could take solace in the fact, Jed, that you know come Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, Casey's gonna be like, damn it. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe Jed did win. We just saw it before, and then you ran it back with Jose. This is where Jed went wrong. This is where Jed went wrong. He pointed out that Jan was thinking he was the bad guy. No, look at all. Look at what's happening to Sterling, man. He's everyone's treating him as the bad guy. He knows in his heart what he did. Where I went wrong (laughs) is I I wronged Casey in a previous life because the only person I've ever lost to on this show is Casey. I just I like to go with everybody, but Casey gets to be the arbiter, so I lose because I offended Casey at some point. One of these times, Casey, you and me, you're gonna finally see where television <laughs> that we have here, and you're gonna get this work. But until then, keep hiding, keep giving me bad decisions, because that's all this is. Last week I got fight circus taken away from me erroneously, <laughs> and now you're gonna take away my belts. This is bold. Oh, man. Well, you know what? You're, you're, you, well, uh, Jed, you're only one appearance away from being the first double-digit loser. Oh, no, you and A.K. Lee. <laughs> you and A.K. Lee, so. Yeah, and all of those losses are to you. I'm the greatest champion this program's ever had, the winningest champion, the only other person in the neighborhood I'm 4-0 against. Like, well, come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Nah. <laughs> all right. Drake, you are the winner. You don't get any money. You, the, the, the belt is invisible, but you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. Plug your stuff, whatever you want to use your 30 seconds for. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know, you guys. This was really fun. It's been a while since I got to do something like this. And good to interact with Jed for the first time. Uh, a pleasure, honestly. Um, I don't know. I just think that in these crazy times where we start to finally get back to normal in life it's just good to you know let's come together let's all be friendly as we possibly can respect history do your research all that fun stuff and you know just if you want to follow me for more at drake riggs underscore on twitter and if i'm gonna plug a specific piece please check out my big long in-depth story uh, on megumi fuji titled becoming mega megu the megumi fuji story that is uh my magnum opus so yes i'll give you that for a shameless plug there you go. Jed, it's a good run, you know? But you'll be back. <laughs> also Listen, you get- I, don't, I did not have fun interacting <laughs> with him. He is now on my enemies list. I have many of them, and he he's not at the top because this is such an undeserved victory that Casey is still <laughs> at the top of that list. But it was nonsense. He wants you to watch Phil Davis, and you like him. What is wrong with you fans? Make better choices in your lives. Well, know your crowd. I'm glad. <laughs> hey, I I just judge round five. I'm not judging the whole fight. So it's our, it's it's the system. It's not me. Yeah, but you have judged <laughs> the whole fight before. Not in my favor. 
This is true. This is very true. <laughs> he, he admits it. It's a personal vendetta. I need a new judge. I want to run it back. Give me get Herb Dean out of here because he's going to only do bad things, Mike. Give me a new judge. Let's go. Well, maybe we'll have a new judge on the show next week. But until then, for Jed Mishu, for Drake Riggs, Casey Lydon on the judging and production, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. We'll see you back here once again next week. Between the links. And there's the there's the kid. And there's the kid, the iconic voice. Master Lynn takes you home. Good night, everybody. Normally I say I love you, but not this week, fans. You're terrible. This is Ana, and you've been watching Between the Links. Thanks for subscribing. I'll see you next week. I am Esther Lynn. Smoking <laughs> <laughs> a couple packs of cigarettes a day, huh? You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.